Are you ready to take your intermittent fasting lifestyle to the next level? There's nothing better than community to help with that. In the Delay Don't Deny community, we all embrace the clean fast, and there's just the right support for you as you live your intermittent fasting lifestyle. You can connect directly with me in the Ask Jen group, and I'll answer all of your questions personally. If you're new to intermittent fasting or recommitting to the intermittent fasting lifestyle, join the 28-Day Fast Start group. After your fast start, join us for support in the first-year group. Need tips for long-term maintenance? We have a place for that. There are many more useful spaces beyond these, and you can interact in as many as you like. Visit jenstevens.com community to join us. An annual membership costs just over a dollar a week when you do the math. If you aren't ready to fully commit for a year, join for a month, and you can cancel at any time. If you know you'll want to stay forever, we also have a lifetime membership option available. IF is free. You don't need to join our community to fast. But if you're looking for support from a community of like-minded intermittent fasters, we're here for you at jenstevens.com community. That's jenstevens.com community. If you've been listening to my podcast for a while, you know what a fan I am of Dr. Tim Spector and the work he's doing with Zoe. I was first introduced to his work in 2015, and I've been following his research ever since. What I love most about the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast is that they have weekly interviews with world-leading experts who explain how their latest research can benefit your health. Recently, I was thrilled to finally meet him face-to-face as we recorded an episode for the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast, and this episode aired on April 11th. We had a chance to talk about the world's biggest intermittent fasting study, and I had the opportunity to explain the clean fast to Jonathan, which may explain why he didn't enjoy his prior experiences with fasting. Search for Zoe Science and Nutrition on your podcast player or on YouTube to hear the latest episode, and don't forget to look for the April 11th episode to hear me, Tim, and Jonathan talk about the world's biggest intermittent fasting study. Welcome to Intermittent Fasting Stories. I'm your host, Jen Stevens, author of the New York Times bestseller, Fast Feast Repeat, as well as the book that started it all, Delay Don't Deny. I lost over 80 pounds thanks to intermittent fasting after learning how to delay my eating rather than denying myself the delicious foods I want to eat. Now, who's ready to hear an inspirational intermittent fasting story? That's why we're here. So let's get excited to talk to today's guest. Hi, everybody, and welcome to episode 144 of Intermittent Fasting Stories. Today, I'm here with Sarah Sanger. Sarah lives in San Diego, California, where she works in the cannabis industry in the real estate development and licensing side of things. Welcome, Sarah. Thank you. Glad to be here. Well, I'm so glad to have you here. So, um, you know, I like to start by asking what brought you to intermittent fasting and when was that? Great. So I have struggled with my weight and body image and food issues since middle school. And I have had never tried anything that I'd consider super extreme or fringe, but, you know, done Weight Watchers and those sorts of things over the years, starting when I was still living with my parents, you know, in middle school or high school. And what brought me to fasting is my dad, my dad started fasting probably about two and a half years ago. And, you know, he read your books, he said he was sharing your books and the obesity code with anyone who would listen and read it. And I was always very much, it's not for me, it's not for me. And my reasoning was because a few things, I work out heavily, and I was on it, and I'm on a tennis team. So I didn't want to, you know, either of those areas of my life to suffer. I didn't like black coffee and I depended heavily on having coffee every morning. It was what got me out of bed, that breakfast milkshake. I didn't think I could change that. And, you know, just the general, I'm a woman, this isn't going to work for me. I'm hormonal. I get hungry. And, and the brainwashing that we've had our whole lives of six small meals and all that. So I was, it's not for me. It's not for me. And he knew better than to push it on me because that would be interpreted by me as him telling me I needed to change or I was doing something wrong. So I was opposed and opposed and opposed. And then I went on vacation in December of 2019. 
and, you know, enjoyed a lot of lavish meals and a lot of, you know, overindulgence and came back and just the timing of it in December, we had a couple family birthdays that week. So we were literally going to steakhouses like two nights in a row that week and just having a lot of really big dinners. And I said, well, if there was ever a time to try it, it's coming home from vacation. And when I have these wonderful dinners all week that I get to look forward to. Oh, yeah. So I said, I'm going to try it. And so I said, I'm just going to do, you know, 16, eight, maybe 17, seven, but I'm a very type a all or nothing person. So I did 16, eight or so the first day and had two meals. And then the next day I was like, this isn't that bad. I'm just going to go for it because I didn't think that if I had a long window like that, I could really have the freedom to really eat what I wanted and not worry and listen to my body and so forth. So I went to one meal a day, pretty much the second day. And here we are. 13 or so months later. Awesome. That's so funny. I just interviewed somebody else who started also right around the same time as you. That's great. So December of 2019 till today, and you've been one meal a day pretty much since day two. That is so funny. Yeah. I mean, sometimes I have what many people would consider a second meal, but I call it my snack. But I mean, for all intents and purposes, it's a meal. It's it's one actual meal, but but yeah, I get it because that's very much what I do, as you know. So um, that's fabulous. So when you started, you had been on vacation and you said you'd been struggling with your weight. How much extra weight did you need to lose? Not a ton, but it was all, it wasn't that I had a lot of weight to lose. I mean, I maybe had maybe five to 15 ish pounds. It was more that I had to work really hard to be at that level. So I was always, Whenever I would go out to eat, I was either going to leave feeling guilty or feeling deprived. There was no in-between. I was going to order what I should order and feel resentful and deprived, or I was going to order what I wanted and feel guilty. And I really never did that. I just it was always limit and guilt and what should I be ordering, not listening to my body. That's huge. I, I love that you said that because... I think most of us can relate to that if we've we've had that diet thinking. And, you know, the, the reason I asked how much you needed to lose and you said 5 to 15 pounds, that's not a lot, but it's still a constant struggle because you were living with diet mentality all day, every day. And so even though no one could look at you because you didn't need to lose a lot of weight, I'm sure you were in a healthy range, it was still that constant battle in your head. And that whole idea of everything you order either makes you feel guilty or deprived. Yeah. I guess it was more than five. I mean, it was like, you know, I was just a little bit heavier than I wanted to be, but there was no, I didn't see any path to losing that path, that last 10 pounds. Like it was just out of the question because I was already exercising every day and I was already depriving myself of what I wanted to eat. So it was like, it was just going to be there. There was no way you could try any harder. Right, exactly. Or anything you could do, it was just going to be there. So, yeah. So you started right away and um, you adjusted quickly then. Yeah. I mean, the first few weeks were hard. I white knuckled it for maybe two weeks. I think exercising and doing cardio got me through the adjustment phase faster, helped me burn through some of my stores. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't reflect on those first few weeks as being particularly enjoyable, but you know, I just decided I was going to give it a try and power through. And it was before the your book where you talked about the 28-day fast start. But I mean, that would have been a great concept that don't worry about the scale for a month. Don't worry about if you don't love the feeling for a month, just power through. Yeah, I think that was important. And, um, you know, I, I obviously didn't have the experience working with as many people when I wrote Delayed on Deny in 2016. We know so much more now. But that 28-day, you know, adjustment period that that for people to know what to expect, I think is so important. Totally. Because if you if you don't know that it's going to be hard, you you know, you are going to be someone who starts and stops like I always did. Because you're like, this is too hard. And then I was trapped in the hard part forever. Right. <laughs> because once you get through it, I mean... It's the easiest thing in the world. Absolutely. So how did you handle that hot milkshake? I just did cold turkey. And now I can't imagine drinking coffee like that. It's disgusting. Like even in my window, I'll be like, I'm going to put some cream and sugar in it. It's disgusting. I, my tastes have changed so dramatically. I eat completely differently than I used to or than I even used to want to eat. Right. That's the part that's so remarkable because people still, they'll start intermittent fasting and they're like, so I can really eat whatever I want. We're like, yes, with the caveat that whatever you want doesn't mean whatever you want. You know, don't go crazy, obviously, but you choose what you want. And over time, what you want will look different. 
that has been one of possibly the most surprising thing. I like salivate thinking about lentils and sweet potatoes and grilled chicken. It's crazy. For dessert, I want like oatmeal or yogurt or fruit. My family's like, I thought you could eat whatever you want. I'm like, this is what I want. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. And, you know, as I interview different people and people gravitate to a style that feels right, you know, some people end up being vegan or plant-based. Some people end up being low carb, but they are getting there because that's the food that makes them feel the best and what they want to eat. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's very strange. We don't have to white knuckle it around our food choices as well. Yeah, it is strange. I'm having a chickpea bowl for dinner tonight and I'm already excited about it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I eat a lot of meat also, but I just like having a pasta. I don't know. It's just weird. I'm really eating the way humans probably should be eating, but it's not because I'm trying to force myself to. That's what. So you do eat, you feel great when you eat a lot of meat. Do you eat meat like every day? Yeah. Yeah. And I don't. And I used to, and I think it would have surprised me to, to ever say that I wouldn't, but I just don't want to eat. Like last night I had meat. I had a big old burger. Mm-hmm. Tonight we'll have the chickpeas. Tomorrow I've got meat on the menu again, based on what food I have at home, <laughs> what I'm planning on. But, but it's, it's just a matter of, you know, yeah. what feels good. And part of that is I work out a lot and I, maybe it's true, maybe it's not, but I feel like I need, if I'm going to go 21 hours without any food, I want to make sure that during those hours that I'm eating, I'm getting sufficient protein. Oh, yeah. Well, I love the protein leverage hypothesis. If you heard that, before Mm-mm. it's gosh is it Ted Neiman is that how you say his name I can't remember so I apologize if I'm citing the wrong person or if I said his name incorrectly because you know so many things you just see written you don't hear anybody say them but the protein leverage hypothesis I think is probably very true it is that our bodies have a protein need that is unique for us day to day person to person working out a lot, your needs are going to be different than, say, someone else. And that our bodies will send us the urge to keep eating until we have met our protein needs for Mm. the day. Oh, yeah. I think I have heard you talk about this on your podcast. Yeah, I'm sure that I probably have. But, you know, it makes sense for me because that tends to happen. You know, like one day I'll be like, ooh, I would like to throw an egg on this. And, you know, it's probably my body saying, you need a little more protein. Right. Yep, that makes sense. And you'll eat Doritos all day, but you'll never get there because you haven't gotten the protein. Never. Never. And even some nights when I have meat on my plate, I'll be eating it like, you know, a great piece of chicken and I'll be eating it. Then all of a sudden I'm like, I've had enough of that chicken and I'll just pass it over to Chad. Mm -hmm. Yeah, perfect. Usually finishes it, (laughs) but not always. You know, he's one of those always skinny people. My husband too. Yeah, my husband too. It'll it'll be like a third of a piece of chicken. He'll be like, I'll have that for lunch tomorrow. I'm like, okay. (laughs) Yeah, my husband too. And like Chad, my husband saw what I was doing. It wasn't going to be for him, but he's now doing like 11 a.m. to 6 p.m. window. So I call that fasting. I mean, it's not not one meal a day, but he's not eating a carb bomb of cereal for breakfast anymore. We all face stress in our daily lives. What if the answer to a better stress response is in one key nutrient? I'm talking about magnesium and specifically magnesium breakthrough by by Optimizers. This one-of-a-kind product is designed to reverse low levels of magnesium, which could have a positive effect on our stress response. But don't take my word for it. Here's a quote from a 2020 issue of the scientific journal Nutrients. Results suggest that stress could increase magnesium loss, causing a deficiency, and in turn, magnesium deficiency could enhance the body's susceptibility to stress, resulting in a magnesium and stress vicious circle. I only recommend Magnesium Breakthrough by Bioptimizers. It's the only organic full-spectrum magnesium supplement that includes seven unique forms of magnesium for stress resilience and better sleep. Simply go to bioptimizers.com slash ifstories, promo code ifstories10 to get your magnesium breakthrough and find out this month's gift with purchase. That's bioptimizers.com slash ifstories, promo code ifstories10. Green Chef is the number one meal kit for clean eating, delivering pre-portioned and prepped quality whole foods with limited processed ingredients. Green Chef sends organic, fresh produce, responsibly sourced proteins, and chef-designed recipes in every box for satisfying, nourishing, and convenient meals that fit in beautifully to my cleanish lifestyle, and the food is totally window-worthy. Tonight, we're having barbecue sweet potato tacos with cabbage and carrot slaw, black beans, corn, and cheesy tortillas, and they come with Green Chef's chimichurri sauce. 
so good. Go to greenchef.com slash ifstories50 and use the promo code ifstories50 to get 50% off plus 20% off your next two months. That's greenchef.com slash ifstories50. And don't forget to use the promo code ifstories50 to get 50% off plus 20% off your next two months. Yeah, my husband would get up back when he ate breakfast. He would usually have like a muffin or cereal, just like that. Yeah, like at 6 a.m. It's just not necessary. Right. And he said he feels so much better just not doing that. Yeah, but you're right. Just Both of them are just kind of in the same two meal a day kind of pattern. And it works really well for them. So your dad, I want to go back to him. So he's been doing it since you said about two and a half years. I don't know the exact amount of time, but it's at least been two and a half years. He's a doctor. He's, you know, the patriarch of the family and everybody, family and friends go to him for advice. Everyone really trusts him and looks to him. So he's spread a lot of the gospel. Yeah. And he had great success, but I just didn't think I could do it. I mean, I've got two young kids. I don't know. I just, I was very resisted. And he never, ever pushed it because again, like he knew that it was a, something I've been insecure about my weight's been something I've been insecure about my whole life. So he wasn't going to say, you really should do this because that gets interpreted by someone like me as he's telling me I need to lose weight. He knows you. He knows that wasn't what he needed to say to you. What kind of a doctor is he? He's an anesthesiologist. Okay. I just, I love it. It's my very favorite when physicians are are doing intermittent fasting and telling other people to do it because you know, when the scientists and the doctors and the researchers realize there's enough evidence to support this as a healthy lifestyle, then we can feel so very confident. It just helps for the idea that, yeah, this is a, a really good way to live. So did he need to lose a lot of weight or did he do it for the health benefits? No, he needed to lose some weight. I mean, you know, he's a tall, he's, he's over six feet tall. So, and he never really looked like he needed to lose weight, but you know, he would wake up at six in the morning before work and have a big breakfast and then kind of mindlessly eat sometimes. And yeah, he had some weight to lose. And he, you know, being a doctor at the hospital, it's sort of easy to fast because it's kind of inconvenient to stop your in the middle of the workday to eat. Um, and it's not like they're having team lunches or, you know, business lunches very often. So he thought it was pretty easy. And yeah, he had great success. He doesn't weigh himself anymore, but he's pretty much always been one meal a day and he doesn't have any trouble with it at all. He, he loves it. He's always freezing, which is funny because he was never, I've always been cold my whole life. So I'm not surprised that I'm now even more cold, but he, he's like wearing a beanie and a sweatshirt. Yeah, me too. And I'm, I'm like, I'm so cold and I'm getting in the sauna and sitting by the fire, but waiting for summer. Yeah. <laughs> Although today it feels like spring. We're having like an unseasonably warm day. I went outside and I was like, I'll just stay out here. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. The coldness is not the best part of fasting for sure. No. And we're recording this in January in case anyone's listening and why I'm cold and this is coming out in April. So by the time April's here, it will be spring. But I'll still be cold. (laughs) You'll still be cold. I will too. (laughs) I like to go sit outside in the sun and get a little, get a little Georgia sun to warm me up. So your, your dad no longer weighs. How about you? Did you lose, you know, you said five to 15, what ended up happening for you? So I also got a Peloton like a month after I started fasting. So it's hard to sort of separate what of the progress is from that and what is from fasting. I attribute most of it to fasting because I've always exercised, but um, I lost about like 12 pounds and then I have gained some of it back. And I think perhaps 12 was a little more than my body wanted to lose. And I think I have gained significant muscle. That's what I was going to guess. My goal for this year is to stop weighing, but I can't because I have gained like maybe five pounds over the past couple of months. And it makes me nervous that it's going to continue in the wrong direction and it's not going to be muscle. And I, I am just such a type A data-driven person. I can't let go yet, but I do use happy scale and I don't, I try not to obsess about the day-to-day fluctuations. And I believe that I will feel very liberated when I can stop, but I'm just not ready to stop yet. I totally get that. I I used the scale. I weighed myself and saw the number every single day for the first year of maintenance. And that helped me know that I wasn't, you know, gaining weight. And um, and that, that was just a very important tool for me. And then I, I got rid of it after that. I'm, I'm sure a lot of people have heard me tell that story, but I threw it in the trash. But, you know, do you take progress photos? You know, I do. And I, I haven't for a while. I don't think I'm really, even though I would love to lose five or 10 more pounds because of 
vanity. I, I just don't think it's really going to happen. And I, I don't eat a lot of sugar. I don't eat, I'm very happy with my nutrition. And so I, I don't want to restrict something at this point. And I mean, my, I know that my body's changed because my sister's kids will come up behind me thinking it's my sister um, and hug me because they think I'm their mom because they see me from behind. And that to me is the validation I need because that's kind of, that's the goal. I get that. It's just the sister relationship. So she's always been made just a little thinner. Yes. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> so um, yeah, progress photos really help me at this point, you know, especially just like with you knowing that body recomposition changes, you know, if you have uh, more muscle mass, you may be up, but have less body fat. But for me, putting on the same outfit and a year, year to year, sometimes y'all I'll be looking at my Facebook memories and I'll see myself wearing an outfit from a year ago and I'll be like, oh, let me try that on and see how it looks today. And so I'll compare the two photos a year apart and that I'm like, oh, look, it fits the same. <laughs> oh, it's a little tighter now. That's happened to me too. I'm like, oh, it's a little tighter than it was a year ago. But, you know, as I went through menopause, but then it's looser again. So anyway, go ahead. Yeah, I just... I feel like if I do gain weight or my photos don't look better or my clothes don't fit better, there's really not much more I can do. I can't really shorten my window. I can't exercise more. I'm eating healthy. So I kind of just want to let go of that stuff, but I just can't yet. I just can't. I will, but I can't. It. I understand because you're not going to do anything different no matter what that feedback is. Right. Right. And for me, it always is like the periods of time where my weight has gone up a little bit as evidenced in the fit of my clothes. Think my honesty pants getting a little tight or, ooh, that photo does look a little different than it did a year ago. Not much, but I could, you know, you get to know your body and it's a subtle little tiny difference. And I always know why. It's always for me, I can always put my finger on it. Like I have a scale now. Have you heard me talk about the shape of scale? Yeah, I want one. I love it. It went um, went to gray last week, and which means my trend was going up a little bit. And I thought, well, why is it up? And then I thought back, well, I got this giant shipment of all these organic chips, different chips that I ordered from a from actually was Thrive Market. But I had been eating, I'd been snacking on a lot of chips, and I'm like, mm, they, even though they're organic, even though you know they're still not. That's and like okay, so I stopped doing that, and now I'm back at teal. Well, and I love hearing your recent tweak of having your big meal when you open your window and then having your snack with Chad at dinner. Like that is, makes sense. My concern with that scale is that if I did go to gray, I'd want to know exactly. Cause I, I just, I don't really drink much. I don't, there's a ton of junk food in my house. My husband has a sweet tooth. I have kids that won't eat anything that came from the earth. So, but I, I don't know. Like, I just feel like that scale would be great for me, except that then I'd want to see the numbers. I don't know. Yeah, well, you can see the number if you want to. Okay. But I just don't want to. <laughs> like you can, you can link it with your like Apple Health. Yes, it links with Apple Health if you want it to. But I, I do not link it because I don't want to see the number. But I was really worried that seeing the gray would upset me. But it doesn't because I understand it. Every time I've seen gray, like right after Christmas, I was like, okay, I know why. And I'm able to not let it upset me, which is good news because, you know, all of us do, we do still have those diety thoughts at somewhere, even if we're living a you know, life of freedom with intermittent fasting, there's some stuff that could still make us feel bad. Yeah. But I will say that the freedom that you mentioned um, is really the greatest gift. So that's why I tell everyone I know to read your books and to try it, even if they have no weight to lose, is that I don't have to think about food for 21 hours a day. And then for the three hours a day, I can eat what I want to eat. Yeah. So you eat at around the structured dinner time? Usually about three o'clock, I'll have a snack, a like a pretty nutritious snack, and then eat dinner with my family. And then something sweet, and then be done at six. We eat pretty early. That's very similar to what I've been doing recently, except that you said I've, I have flipped it, which is, where did you hear me talking about that? On? I think in one of the Facebook groups. Yeah. Okay. Because I taught, I, I posted in the group, but yes, I've recently, just like within the past week, flip-flopped my dinner with my snack. And it just, because I've always waited for Chad to get home and then cook dinner. And so now I've started, you know, like, Instead of snacking at three, what if I just made dinner? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a good idea. And it's really working well, and I'm enjoying it. And the good news is he doesn't care that the food was made at three. He's still happy to eat it at six. And so I'm having a little snack with him 
at, at dinner and it's just working out so beautifully. And the benefit I wasn't expecting is I had started to dread cooking dinner as like a chore. Like he would come home from work and I'd be like, oh, now I got to go cook dinner. But instead I'm cooking it to open my window and it, it's exciting because it's, I mean, I'm hungry and then it's home and I don't have to do that. Yeah. You can just start enjoy eating. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. I just, visit with him. And I'm like, tell me when you're ready to eat. So it's, I'm really surprised, you know, because I've been doing it for a long time. This is not my first year of intermittent fasting. So the moral of the story is it's okay. You'll change over the years. Yeah. Which is a little scary because this year I've been home 24 hours a day, seven days a week because of quarantine, which has made it really easy. There's no business meetings. There's no work travel. There's no kids' birthday parties. I mean, there's nothing. So that has been a blessing for me because, yeah, sure, maybe boredom eating could have gotten in my way, but that's not a thing for me. So I'm a little worried about when life resumes normal and we go on vacations and kids have all kinds of activities that it might be harder. But it was a great way to set a good foundation this year because it was so easy without anything that could really derail it. I love that. But you're right when you say that it wouldn't have been that same way for everyone because some people, they're home and they're triggered to want to just boredom eat for it. Whereas for you, you're like, it's so easy because I'm at home. We're just so very different. Will you work outside the home again? Will your your job will take you back? Or do you think you'll be working from home most of the time now? Because I think a lot of places have gone, have realized huh, our workforce really can work well from home. Right. So I'm self-employed. So I was working from home before, but I ha- all most of my projects and my partners live in the Bay Area in California. So I was traveling a lot to you know some of our properties and meet with investors and so forth. So I haven't done that at all. We've been very strict with quarantine. Um, so th- that will happen. Um, but I still, I won't, I think working in an office where everyone was having lunch together would have been, would be hard because you're missing out on, a cultural aspect of the workplace, but that's never going to, for the foreseeable future, that won't be a issue for me just because career-wise, I work from home and everyone's not eating lunch and any wouldn't, you know. I will say when I was a teacher and some years my lunch schedule synced with my friend's lunch schedule and I would go into the teacher workroom and sit with them and visit while they had their lunch. And it really wasn't hard. And that, you know, that may be surprising, you know, because it feels like it might be, but I would look around and see what they were eating and it was never window worthy. True. That's a good point. Like a paper bag lunch is never going to be really that. The days when it was like teacher work day and we could go out to eat, you know, I usually opened my window, but they were very unusual. They were a special occasion in the life of a teacher. Yeah. Like the office jobs I've had, usually people would go out and get food and it would be delicious and smell up the office. And so that would have been hard, but I don't have to worry about that. Well, that's good. So did your kids, were they out of school for a while? Or are they back in school? So they have been home. They have been out of school since March 13th. We actually pulled them out before the schools closed because we were scared. This year, we got to choose whether they went to school or did virtual learning. And the district put together an amazing virtual learning program. That's good. So we chose for virtual, but we hired an instructor that's like their learning coach that sits there and nags them. They're young. They, you know, my little one couldn't read when the school year started this year. So make sure they're on task and doing all their work. And, you know, we are very, very lucky to have that situation because, you know, we have to discipline, we have to parent in every other aspect of life. And me sitting there with my six-year-old, you know, trying to teach her to read would not have been, not have worked nicely. So yep, they're still, they're home, but they're actually at grandma and grandpa's house because there's extra space and the cousins are there and they all have the learning coach. And so they are, they're living their best life. I love it. I've heard that from other people um, that have that same kind of a situation. And so I really think that that's, you said living their best life. I could see it. You know, they're getting the one-on-one attention, like the old governess model, right? <laughs> to have. When they're with their cousins. It's four girls. They're, you know, they're the teacher we hired was like on the dance team in college. So she's teaching them all kinds of dances. And you know, I mean, they're, they're living the dream. They're getting that individualized attention. That's good. But one of my friends on the flip side of things, my, one of my friends is, a, um, well, I have lots of friends that are teachers, but one of them is a virtual learning teacher. And she talks about the challenges of that. It's so hard. But it's different challenges. Like somebody will be like, you know, trying to spam the group or something, <laughs> something wacky. Fifth graders, you know, the kids can think of anything. Right. And they're also being watched by the parents. You know, one of the things about teaching young kids is, if you slip up or if you say something silly that maybe you shouldn't have said, like you're in the safety of your classroom, but now your classroom is in everybody's homes and all the parents 
at least where we live, we live in a very, you know, there's a lot of <laughs> high parents with high expectations and, you know, everyone has kind of critiquing and criticizing things they're hearing in the Google classroom or the zooms. And it's like, give the teachers a break. They're, they're doing their best. Oh my gosh. I never thought of that. Oh, <laughs> having the parents. Yeah, having all the parents here. Oh, the judge. I wouldn't have liked that at all. Whew, Cause I really liked going in my classroom, closing the door, working with the kids and not that I was in there doing like bad things, but you know what I mean? Of course not, but we're all human and they'll slip up or, you know, a kid will say something inappropriate and they have to figure out how to navigate the conversation and they have to know that they're in everybody's, you know, they're in all the 25 kids' homes. Yeah. Oh, 25 sets of parents just heard that. Yeah, oh, we, goodness. We had a really funny experience. Um, my younger daughter's name is Alexa. And the first week of school, her teacher emailed and said, every time I call on your daughter, the Amazon devices in 25 homes activate. And so I have to, I have to ask you, can we call her something else? I asked her what, if she had a nickname and she wanted me to call her Lexi Longlegs. And I didn't know if that was appropriate. <laughs> so we worked it out, but just different challenges this year. Oh my gosh. I love technology. Yeah. Sorry. Your name cannot be Alexa due to the pandemic. And oh my gosh, I love it. And it also, Oh, go ahead. She said, I could change mine to not trigger, but I can't ask every family to change all of their Amazon devices. No, that's so funny. It's also funny what kids tell you to call them because I had a student one time. She told me to, I, I, you know, the first day of school, you're like, you know, what do you go by? And she told me a name. So I called her that. That's not what her parents call her. Oh, <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. Like you could just make something up. That does happen. Anyway, kids are funny. I miss them. So a day in your life, you start with at three o'clock, you have snack, you have dinner with your family and your husband has had two meals. Yes. Yep. And, and your kids, do you talk about it with your kids at all? Do they yes. know what's happening? Yes. So they know mommy fasts. I'm very proud of the fact that if you ask them why I fast, they will tell you that it's because it makes me feel good because I don't want to project any of my issues on them. Both of them are so, I mean, they're young, but they're super slender. Like there's nothing I would like more than for them to eat more and gain weight because they don't have a problem with so far any kind of overweight issues. But yeah, we talk about it. If they want me to try something, they ask if, you know, I've broken my fast yet. My little one likes to call it breaking my window because she combines breaking your fast with my window. Yeah. They know about it. They're kind of in like their, their own little world. So doesn't seem to bother them. I love that. And uh, probably having a, a grandfather who's a doctor and who also does it mm -hmm. is helpful. And the fact that their dad also has the, the eating windows as well. So they just see this as a normal, healthy way to live. And so they're not getting any diet messages from it. You know, Because sometimes people worry about the message their kids will get. Definitely was a concern. So I made a very conscious effort to not talk to them about the real reasons, if you will, or the other reasons. Weight loss part of it. Right. But they also see, you know, my big bountiful dinner plate. And so I think, in a, you know, in a lot of ways, it just seems healthier to them. And they very much understand adults aren't growing. Fasting would never be appropriate for kids because we're growing and our you know, brains are growing and our muscles are growing. And so, yeah, I mean, I think that improving probably their relationship with food versus my, oh, can I eat this? Can I eat this? Should I eat this? There's no more should. It's just, is it time to eat or not? Yeah, I, I think that's so important. So I would really encourage anybody who's struggling with this as a parent of especially girls, but also it could be, you know, boys as well. Think about what we're modeling as far as enjoyable eating behaviors and a healthy relationship with food. And that is what we want to encourage. I love that you're doing that. Well, and then seeing dad, seeing that dad does it, I think also really reinforces that because they know he's, I mean, you know, he's never going to, he doesn't believe that calories are a thing. He doesn't worry about that at all. And so seeing that he's doing it because it also makes him feel good, um, I think further reinforces that. Absolutely. So um, what are some of the other non-scale victories that you've had? I think, so I suffer from anxiety. And I think before the pandemic started, I was feeling that fasting was helping me be more calm and focused and sharp. Working through this pandemic, I think would have been extremely challenging for me with my uh, mental health issues if it weren't for fasting. This is an area of my life that is nice and tidy, that brings me joy, that feels in control. I mean, this is kind of probably too much information. My, um, I've had OCD, like contamination OCD ever since I was 13 years old and been in treatment 
for it. So this is kind of like my worst nightmare coming true as far as a pandemic. <laughs> like I've been practicing for this. I've been practicing for this my whole life kind of thing. I don't know what this year would have looked like for me uh, emotionally if it weren't for fasting. The Peloton also helps because obviously I can't go to the gym and I have this amazing workout at home. But um, I have felt that my mental health is as the best it's ever been in my entire life this year, which makes no sense considering what the world is going through right now. That's good. So it's given you a sense of peace around when you're eating and what you're eating. So you don't have to have that low level anxiety around food all the time, which makes you feel better in the face of this real problem. I just feel like even my general anxiety, I mean, I have felt less anxious this year than ever. And I really should have been feeling more anxious than ever this year. So I'm eternally grateful for that. That's the biggest um, gift that I've gotten. Obviously feeling more comfortable in all my clothes, everything fitting, having to go buy new clothes, that never hurts. And really just getting to eat. I'm Well, actually, no, I should say this. The healthy foods that I now crave. I mean, I had never eaten lentils. Now I eat lentils every day. I did not like sweet potatoes. Now I eat sweet potatoes every week. I craved sugar. I don't crave sugar at all anymore. At all. I don't even really like eating sugar. It's so weird. I do have one vice still that I am working on, which is um, Diet Coke, which I only have in my window, of course, but I want to stop. That's hard when you develop that taste for it. I can remember back in the day when I used to drink it, I I went through periods of my life, like for a while it was Diet Mountain Dew. Then it was Diet Coke because I read about, you know, the the color, uh, you know, the brominated oil or whatever it is in the, the, the Diet Mountain Dew. So I switched to Diet Coke. But there's something you crave about that. Like right now, if I tried to drink it, I'd be like, Ugh. but there was something about that flavor. I just craved it. Right. So other than Diet Coke, just the fact that like my family will be having pasta and instead I'll have like quinoa because it sounds better. Like that is crazy to me that that's for no reason other than it's more delicious. That's what I want for dinner. Um, so my food preferences yeah, have I changed. No cravings no hangry, no blood sugar issues. I would love to get some labs done, although I've never really had any problems with any of my bio stuff. But I don't know, like the fact, the the meals that I dream about eating that are not what I would have dreamed about eating, you know, a couple of years ago. It's very, it's very shocking. Oh, and also pandemic and fasting have created a love of cooking. I never liked cooking. I wanted nothing to do with it. We would prepare meals, but we wouldn't, I wouldn't look up recipes and, and go to all this effort. And now it's my one meal a day. It's going to be delicious. It's not going to be leftovers. It's not going to be frozen food. It's going to be, it's going to have fresh vegetables and fresh protein. And so I cook now and my, you know, my kids don't eat it because they only eat junk food, but my husband's benefiting and our, my family's benefiting from the adventures in the kitchen. So that's been cool too. And I bet they'll, they'll, warm up to it over time. Yeah, because I think back to when my boys were the age of your girls. And yeah, a lot of junk food in our house. That was what I was also eating at the time. But now they're both adult and they eat all the things. It's kind of amazing. Yeah. I hope. Yeah, I, I think so. Just you just have it there and offer it and they see you eating it. And I think you you know, you'll be amazed at how they transition. Yeah. Cause I was, because you know, my my one son, Cal, the one that lives in San Francisco, he's 22 and his wife is vegetarian. And he eats so many things. But when he was like a toddler, he only ate things that were beige. Right. Yeah, beige foods. We have to have colorful plates so that they can see the beige food on their plates. <laughs> That's right. I remember those days. Huh. Just keep offering it and eventually they'll pick some of it up. But yeah. All right. So is there anything you struggle with? The Diet Coke, I guess. But I mean, I could just go cold turkey on that too. I kind of part one day I'll feel like, well, this is my one thing. I deserve it. And the next day I'll say, why am I doing this? Sometimes I think maybe I should just have regular Coke. And then I know I would not want to keep doing that. So I don't know. That's something I struggle with. I'm concerned about when we go on vacations and and so forth. But the biggest struggle for me is probably I have massive fluctuations on the scale. I'm definitely not, I, I don't suspect that I'm going to lose any more weight. And it affects my mood. I get, it bothers me because I say, you know, I'm eating three hours a day. I'm exercising heavily. What more can I do? Why is my body rejecting this? And sometimes I think maybe I'm not eating enough. Maybe I'm eating too much. Maybe I'm fasting too much. Maybe I'm fasting too little. I don't know. And I did for Yom Kippur, my dad and I both did like a two-day fast because we were like, well, if we just do a one-day fast, it's the same thing we do every day. And I hated that. So that's not like a tweak that I'm interested in in trying, like the ADF thing. So 
yeah, the scale is something that I still struggle with. Yeah, I understand. You really might benefit from the shape-up because the thing about the shape-up, I mean, I love happy scale. You've heard me talk about that. I love that it shows you, you know, your trend, the trend line and the color that it gives you. Like if your trend is going down, you get the green. If it's going up, you get the red. With shape-up, it really looks back like like 10 days. So it doesn't give you like a day-to-day. You don't, like like, it won't be like today I'm green, tomorrow I'm gray, the next day I'm teal. It doesn't change like that. It only changes veer, like turning a battleship. Right. I guess my concern is that if I continue working out heavily, I may continue gaining weight and it would be for all the right reasons. And then I would go get into gray and I would get really upset and obsessive about it. I think it keeps body composition in mind. Oh, it does. Okay. I think it does. I think that that's what it said. Like if it knows what your body composition is doing. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. And not just the raw number. Yeah, I probably should get one. But then it's like, should I really get another one if I'm trying to wean myself? I don't know. It could be your, um, like your step stool or what, what's the word I'm looking for? That's not the right word. Your, your, that's stone. what I meant. I told you I'd be tired. This is, I did two podcasts in a row today. So my brain is tired. So if I sound a little bit like I'm rambling, that's why. Anyway, yes, your stepping stone, because first you can have it connect to Apple health and you can see what your weight is doing. And then when you're ready to let that go. Then you just go click and you turn that part off and you only have the color. So that yeah. could be your transition. I also love numbers. Like I love it. I have, even though I have happy scale, I also have my own graph in Excel and I do all kinds of averages and curves. And it's not even that I care that much about the answer. I just, I'm an analyst. I, I get love that. math. So it's fun to have it. But I think I could let that go. I understand. Because I did this, you know, I loved numbers too. And I loved writing down, you know, even though I could have used an app, I loved writing the number down. And I had a graph that I made by hand and I would plot it with my little pencil. (laughs) I will say one other major observation that I've had is how much easier my fasts are after I work out. I mean, a hundred million times easier because I'm sure that while I'm exercising, I'm getting myself into ketosis. Right. And after the workout, the rest of the fast is the easy, easiest thing ever. On days where I don't work out, I often have to white knuckle through my fast, which is just so crazy. I emailed you once on your podcast to ask you, when I'm playing tennis, should I work out beforehand so that I don't really want to work out beforehand, but I want to get into that feel good phase before I go, you know, play pretty lazy doubles tennis where I'm not going to get a big workout. So it's so fascinating to me how much easier it is to um, fast after the workout and how much my fitness has improved since I started yeah. fasting. You know, Cause you mentioned that at the beginning when we started talking that you had, you know, all these reasons why you were worried about fasting. And one of them I'm sure was endurance for working out. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's a total non-issue. One time I work one time since I started fasting, I worked out after I had eaten my snack and I, I thought I, I thought my life was going to end. Like it was the worst thing <laughs> in the world, but I'm doing, you know, an hour of intense workout, you know, maybe 16 hours into the fast and I feel like a million, but I mean, I feel amazing. So, so strange. It really, I love it though. That's my favorite thing. The endurance and the the ability to do whatever I need my body to do. Like I went hiking when Cal and Kate were here over the holidays from San Francisco. We went to a national park and I hiked and I did it completely in the fasted state. We hiked for, I don't know, a couple hours. I can't even remember. It was a long trail and through the swamp and whatever. And then I didn't eat till we got home and I felt great. I didn't feel like, oh, I need to eat. No, my body could have done whatever I needed it to do. It feels powerful. Mm-hmm. This podcast is supported by FedEx. FedEx offers fast delivery, more visibility, simple returns, and weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. population on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. With FedEx, you get picture proof of delivery, ensuring you always know where your package is. Returns are simple with packageless and paperless returns. Plus, FedEx Ground is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. So, what are you waiting for? See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. 
like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. And I tell people, they're like, don't you feel kind of blah? And I said, look, if I had to take the SATs, which thankfully I will never have to take again, I would not eat beforehand. That's what I'm telling you. I feel so much better the 21 hours that I'm not eating. And then I feel very happy the three hours that I am eating. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good way of putting it. You feel you feel fabulous, but then you also enjoy the way you feel during the eating window, but it's a different feeling. Mm-hmm. I think about the lions after the feast and they're just like lounging around and they're, they're full bellies and they're happy mm-hmm. or in their big lion purr. <laughs> exactly. I love it. But one thing that I was worried about when I started eating my larger meal, my dinner first opening with my dinner is I would worried that I would like then need to take a nap or something. Like I really did. I was like, but I don't. Yeah. I never really had the post eating exhaustion that people talk about. I mean, I don't feel as sharp, but. Right. I think that it's a sign when people have that, it's a sign, you know, that they're, they're still working on their blood glucose response. You know, like if you have a lot of insulin resistance, I think you're more likely to have the big crash after a meal. So not having the giant crash after a meal is is a sign that you're metabolically in a better place. That's that's I think that's what it is. So because we're not supposed to like really need to nap. But I was still worried, even though I know I'm, you know, in a pretty good metabolic place, I was still worried I would need to have a nap at 5 p.m. or something. <laughs> yeah, my kids would not go for that. No, they would not. Oh no, kids are not gonna let you nap, are they? No, 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 no. <laughs> Sorry, kids. Mama needs a nap. No, I remember trying to nap one time. My boys are 18 months apart. And when Cal was a toddler and Will was a newborn and, you know, he was still getting up all during the night. And so Cal was like probably 18, 19 months old by this point. I'm like lying on the couch trying to sleep and Cal's prying my eyes open with his little <laughs> baby fingers. He's going, Mama, get up. I'm like, please. just let Sounds me about right. Or when they go wake up mom to ask a question, even though dad's like literally sitting five feet away from them awake. Absolutely. Yeah. No, ask your dad. Nope. Nope. It's going to be mama. <laughs> That's great. So what's on your menu tonight? What are y'all having for dinner? Or what are you and your husband? Tonight we are having chicken stir fry and with rice. And then I was recently reminded of my grandmother who's no longer with us. And we used to get Chinese takeout all the time. And the most vivid memory is that we would get green onion pancakes, which are not a nutritious thing, but I was kind of craving it. I love green onions. And so I found a recipe online. So I'm going to attempt to make green onion pancakes. Oh, yeah. I've done that with like some of the meal kit companies have sent like a green onion, like a scallion pancake. They are good. So that's a little a little bit of a treat because I normally wouldn't make like a fried pancake for dinner. But that sounds really good. I bet y'all have really good Chinese food on, on the West Coast being having a, a really great Asian population with the... That's one thing we don't have around here in Augusta. We don't have a lot of really high quality Chinese food. So my birthday is Cinco de Mayo and I went to college sort of close to you at, in, um, at Duke in North Carolina. And it was a very big adjustment because on Cinco de Mayo, you want to go have amazing Chinese or Mexican food. And it was like, no, we're known for a lot of things here in the Southeast, but we do not have amazing Mexican food. We do not have amazing Asian food. Now, I'm not speaking for everywhere. I'm sure in Atlanta you could get a, ama- but here in Augusta, Georgia, no, our <laughs> restaurants are not. Yeah, I, I know I'm, we've been to Augusta because we had to check the masters off my husband's bucket list. Oh, so we were there right. in 2018. We, you know, you pay like a thousand dollars for a motel and you get their like slop for dinner. So yeah. that's what we had. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, I lived in the South for four years when I was an undergrad. You know, I'm a Wake Forest girl, so. I know. That's okay. We, well, <laughs> we, I'm sure Duke doesn't spend as much time thinking about the Wake Forest students as the Wake Forest students spend thinking about the Duke students. We were, when I was there, Maryland was, Maryland was considered a bigger rival than UNC. Although I did live in a tent waiting for four weeks in the snow for my tickets to watch the UNC game. But no, I mean, Wake Forest is also great. Yeah. 
<laughs> but Wake Forest just tends to not think, not like Duke. I just hate to say it. <laughs> I know. We can be friends despite the deacons and the... <laughs> <laughs> the devils. Yeah, I was like, is it the devils? It's the blue devils? I don't know why I was blanking on that one. But yes, the deacons and the devils. Maybe that's why it's a rivalry. It's really old because, you know, the whole Baptist kind of a foundation of the Wake Forest. Right. Yeah, no, it's possible. I mean, people, rivalries are just for rivalry's sake, I think. I think so, too. I think so, too. Well, overall, though, I hope you enjoyed your time in North Carolina. It's a great oh, day. wonderful. Great barbecue. Just not Absolutely. very good Mexican food. We have really good food here in the South, just maybe not maybe not the Mexican food. But um, I actually find that it, I love to make Asian food at home, and I love to make you know Mexican food at home, and it's so much better than going out. Although we did just get a new restaurant in Augusta that is not very far from where I live, and it's like a more fresh kind of high-quality Mexican food. So I'm going to hope they stick around for a while. Yeah, or I'll have to mail you some. Well, you know, that would be good. I've been to San Diego and I we went to, is it Coronado Island? Mm-hmm. Yep. Fabulous Mexican food there. Yep. Yeah. Mexican food here is really great. Yeah, it's like really what it is. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think our version, if you go, you know, the Mexican restaurants around here are all the, I think they have the same menu exactly. And it's probably like the fast food McDonald's version. Yeah. Yeah. That's okay. That's right, like well our barbecue I'm, here. It's not real. Um, oh, yeah. Now I'm craving some pinto beans or something. Mm, yeah. yeah. Maybe I'll make some of those up. So um, let's see. You you said that you share it in your daily life. You share it with people. Yes, I do. Anyone that will listen. What do you lead with when you're sharing it? Well, usually people will say, wow, you look great. You know, and I just say, yeah, you know, I started fasting it's amazing. They're like, Oh, I could never do that. You know, women aren't supposed to do that. It'd be too hard. I love eating. And I said, can I buy you this book? And so I buy your book and I send it to people on Amazon, the easiest thing in the world. And I said, just read it. You don't have to do anything. Just read this book. And I just say, look, I, you know, I've had issues with my weight my entire life. This is the easiest thing I've ever done. The reason everyone on earth doesn't do this is because there is no money for anybody to make. And we live in a capitalist society. Like the food industry is not going to make money. The diet industry is not going to make money. So that and the restaurant industry is not going to make money. This is the easiest, cheapest, best thing you can do. I can't speak highly enough about it. It is the easiest thing in the world. Yeah. So which one do you send them? Do you send delayed on deny or fast feast repeat? Fast feast repeat. Good. I, I love delayed on deny. I love that book. My husband gets mad every time I recommend that people read fast feast repeat instead. But <laughs> I, feel I like- think. If they're going to read one, that's what I want them to read. It's a little more sciencey, and it's—I don't think there's anything missing that was in Delay Don't Deny that's not in Fast Feast Repeat. But. No, just a few stories, but um, and, and you know, Delay Don't Deny. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, I was just like, people also see like I'm in a good mood, like everything's good, my skin's good, my hair is good. Like I don't know. I mean, not that everything's perfect or that I wouldn't change anything, but they can tell I'm in a good place, and once they open the conversation to talking about fasting. I want everyone to try it. I want everyone to give it a good earnest try. And if it's not for them, fine. But I know so many people that would, it would change their life. I know a hundred percent it would change their life. And it's so obvious why it's not more popular because of the commercial interest. Like that is the only reason. And it frustrates me what you mentioned before. One of the things that early on and your friends have said to you that women shouldn't do it. You know, that whole idea is frustrating and it still gets repeated, even by people who you would think would know that. I mean, what's not good for women is over restriction, over dieting. You can over restrict in six small meals a day. And I would actually think over restricting in six small meals a day is going to be more harmful in the long run than, you know, doing intermittent fasting. You know, your body's perceive that as more of a, a restriction. I don't think I eat, I mean, I truly. I worry sometimes that I'm not eating enough because of my exercise. But then I think about what I'm eating and I don't think I'm eating any less. I mean, I'm eating a big snack, which would basically be a lunch. Then I'm eating a big dinner, which would have been richer and more satisfying than a dinner I would have had before. And then I'm having something for dessert, like yogurt or granola or fruit that could be considered a breakfast. So I just don't think there's any deficit that I, you know, there's no restriction. Yeah. You're not restricting. Your body is not going to worry that you're going into a famine. Right. Exactly. I just, I feel like it should be like, everyone should just try it for maybe a month and a half. And then 
I won't mm-hmm. ask them. I won't bug them about it anymore if they give it 45 days. But I'm pretty sure that anybody that can make it 45 days will never look back. I mean, it is amazing. That's the way I feel about the clean fast for people who still are like, well, but I like to whatever. I'm like, clean fast challenge. Just do it. Just try it. You're not going to go back. I definitely couldn't fast if I wasn't clean fasting. I mean, I'll have like, right when I open my window, I usually take some like fiber supplements and some medications. And immediately I feel horrible. So I know that if I were taking that in the morning or anything, like, you know, a soda or a flavored coffee or anything, it would be so hard. I mean, the whole point of this is it shouldn't be hard. Right. That's true. That's very true. And it was night and day for me after reading the obesity code and realizing that those things were not doing me any favors, the stevia, the little bit of whatever, and night and day, no more white knuckling hardness to the fast. I mean, that doesn't mean every fast is easy breezy. Right. You know, some days I'm like, I'm a little hungry today, but not like that. Right. And so I use zero and I put it to 19 hours, but I try to keep my average. I'm very... I get it. Person. You're speaking my my language. I get I it. Always make it to 19 hours, except for like if there's a real good reason, but very rare, once a, every few months. But I try to keep my average, my seven day average above 21. So if I do a 19, then I try to do like a 23 or I don't know. I get it. No, I like numbers like that too. And that that was I now I don't track it at all. But if I were, I would do the exact same thing. I understand. I like tracking it because I like the the distinct end. Like there are no more bites happening after when I close, when I hit the button. Um, and once or twice, once or twice, I've felt like maybe I needed something more or whatever. I've never broken my streak of 19 hours and it's just the best. Thank you. I'm so grateful for you. I'm so glad. I'm so glad. So um, we're almost out of time. What would you tell someone just starting out with intermittent fasting or what do you wish you knew when you first started? I would say, and this is what I do say, the first few weeks are hard. It's, it's not easy. You have to trust the process and you have to give it a chance. And you will be so grateful that you did. But I, I really would warn them about the transition period and how challenging that is. And then I would also try to tell them about some of the other side effects like being cold and maybe smelling bad breath. But yeah, no, I would just tell them to expect that the first part is going to be hard. And it's the opposite of a normal diet where the first part you're on this honeymoon and you're losing the weight really quickly and it's very, there's all this positive feedback. It's the opposite. And, you know, it's the, um, the George Costanza of you know, diet program, the opposite. <laughs> exactly. Absolutely. So you have to, you know, those of us that are really feedback driven and very quantitative, you have to let go and you have to just give it a chance. And I'm kind of surprised that I did. I'm kind of surprised that I didn't say, oh, well, this isn't really for me. Weight Watchers has always worked well enough. I'll just go back to Weight Watchers. I'm surprised that I powered through. And I think it was because maybe my transition wasn't as hard as it could have been. I didn't eat that bad. You know, I, you were already in a healthy place. You didn't have a ton of healing and your body was just ready for it. Yeah. I bet the exercise helped the fact that you already were in good physical shape with that. So, well, Sarah, I have really enjoyed talking to you today. Thank you so very much. And um, I look forward to hearing from you when you do let that scale go. Thank you. I will. <laughs> and the Diet Coke. The Diet Coke, I'm, 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 I'm going to do it. I'm going to well, do it. Well, when you're ready. Do it when you're ready. Maybe transition again. Like, you know, have you tried Zevia? Like a Zevia soda. I used to drink that. I'm sort of surprised that I don't really, like, because all my tastes have changed so much, I'm surprised that I still want it. I don't know. It's weird. I'm going to let it go. I used to drink that Zevia soda, that cola. Let's try Zevia so- soda, and that'll be maybe a transition and get you off that and see if that helps. You just, a yeah. little, just a little hand-holding with that. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you, Jen. Do you have an intermittent fasting story to tell? Email me at jen at intermittentfastingstories.com and I'll add you to the lineup. That's G-I-N at intermittentfastingstories.com. The world wants to hear your story. That's it for today. Remember, I may have a doctorate, but I'm not a medical doctor. So don't use anything you hear on this podcast as a substitute for medical advice. Please always check with your doctor or healthcare provider if you have medical questions. I'll talk to you next week, Fasting Family, where we will hear another inspiring story. Have a great week and fast on.
Intermittent Fasting Stories is edited, mixed, and mastered by Resonate Recordings. To learn more, visit them at ResonateRecordings.com or email them at hello at ResonateRecordings.com. Intermittent Fasting Stories listeners will receive a free offer if you mention that you heard it on the podcast. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.